Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. I mean, I thought we kept defending. I mean, they just just kept going to the line, you know? I mean, uh, yeah, so... Yeah, it was, I mean, listen, I mean, our guys are always going to give effort right now. You know, we've got guys play with a lot of heart, you know, still uh, trying to figure out a few things with, you know, Cat back in the lineup. Um, but, you know, guys played hard. It was good to see him have a good night, uh, shoot the ball well, you know, and also take up and take a number of threes as well. So That was the more subtle version of the Timberwolves complaining about officiating last night. Welcome to Reckless Speculation Thursday. On Mackie and Judd, daily Minnesota sports entertainment Reckless therapy. Speculation. We got our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson here from the Five Eyewitness News Sports Department. And Dukes, happy opening day as well. Happy opening day, but hey, Phil, more importantly, happy Reckless Speculation Thursday. Right. Yes. That Trump's and, opening uh, day, as much as I love baseball, trust me. Oh, you're right. Droogie was texting me early this morning. He's like, what's the best game today? I said, maybe Mets-Marlins, just based on the yeah. pitching matchup. Some intrigue with a rise. I said maybe lock in on Mets Marlins, but there's a bunch of good matchups. I mean, White Sox Astros, you know, go up and down the list. But I'm like, hey, Twins, Twins Royals, Twins Royals, Granky, Twins Royals, Granky V Lopez. That's on the list. Hey, the Twins schedule's favorable here early, right? Get off to a nice start. By the time you get here next Thursday, have a winning record. That absolutely should be the goal through Kansas City, through Miami, into the home opener against Houston. But yeah, way more uh, importantly, uh, reckless speculation Thursday that yeah. trumps all. I'm glad you brought up the twin schedule because uh, today we're going to go through and pick all 162 <laughs> games, game by game. We'll go around the room, all four of us. Uh, all right, uh, today. So, all right, and this isn't really speculative necessarily, but it's a really juicy, interesting topic. So we'll get into this, and then we'll get into inside information and nuggets about your favorite Minnesota sports teams. But uh, Rudy Gobert, and I, I don't know, I, I stayed up late, watched that game. I'm not a big complain about officiating guy in general, I think. There's going to be nights where you don't get the whistle. There's going to be other nights where you do just find a way to play through it. But there's been a couple, two or three games lately for the Timberwolves where what are we doing here with the officials? And last night I thought was one of them where in the second half, especially every time Devin Booker was breathed on as he went into the lane and he's brilliant at making it look like there's contact. But every time the Wolves set a screen on offense, it was like an offensive foul somehow. And so uh, Chris Hine from the Star Tribune asked Rudy Gobert, hey, the refs were calling it free-flowing in the first half, then a lot of fouls in the second half. Did that make it harder to defend? I'm not going to read the whole Gobert quote, 
But uh, he started off by calling it bull bleep, bull bleep. It's not fair. It's not fair. Every night, I've been in this league for 10 years. I try to give benefit of the doubt to the officials, but it's hard for me to think they're not trying to help the other team win tonight. And he goes on, and he and he talks about how, I get it, the league wants to see KD in the playoffs, Steph in the playoffs. You want to see LeBron in the playoffs. The Timberwolves aren't there yet. we got to keep putting our head down, keep playing through, but it's frustrating for sure. He basically said, they don't want us to win, and it's obvious. Watch what happened in the second half. So, um I don't know if I'm, I don't think it's like a conscious, I don't think they're having meetings behind the scenes saying, make sure that the Timberwolves don't get, you know, any whistles, but it was a really poorly officiated game last night and it led to their loss. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I don't have a problem with you saying that. Let's not forget, though, that the Wolves have a bad reputation. They lead or at least are what, top two, top three in fouls committed in technical fouls. In ejections, the Wolves have a bad reputation, flagrant fouls. They have a bad reputation among officials. But on last night, sure. Like, I think about that Jaden McDaniels foul on Devin Booker on an and one at about the six-minute mark. That was minimal contact. Like, that was not a foul. Then I think about Anthony Edwards whistled for a foul. He didn't touch Devin Booker. That's when Chris Finch challenged that call, thinking the Wolves had possession, by the way, because the Wolves then lost the jump ball. So the challenge, well, the, but, but, in reality, that's even though he the, won, the it was a grabbed, waste. The Wolves grabbed the rebound. You know, so so that's another thing. Well, the ball so, hit the ground. There's some gray area there. I understand why they went to a jump ball. But bottom line, Edwards did not make contact with Booker. But Booker yeah. goes down. They initially award Devin Booker two free throws. But like on Rudy, Phil, those are moving screens. Go back and watch. He's absolutely moving on those screens. So if he thinks there's an issue with those moving screens, I beg to differ. Right? I, but and, okay, but but here's what I would say. And again, I hate doing this. Like I'm I'm not a big like complaint about officiating guy. DeAndre Ayton is setting chicken wing moving screens the entire night. The if, if you watch like the Golden State, it's like holding in the NFL. Or or it's like going fifty seven in a fifty five. You could you could you could decide I'm gonna pull over ten people today. And that's it. Like it's it's what the refs are choosing to highlight and when that to use the word that Judd uses. Where's the consistency? And it feels like in about three of the last six or seven games, and maybe it's coincidence. I don't know. It's just um, okay. DeAndre Ayton is setting bad screens. Deion, uh, Draymond Green makes a living setting moving screens and getting Steph Curry free on a curl. Never gets called for it. So I kind of, I, I for once, I kind of empathize with Rudy Gobert in this situation. Well, Carl Anthony Towns has whistled often for, for those moving screens. Bismack Biombo last night, you know, he got whistled for one, but he's constantly moving. So I get it. There's subject, subjectivity to it where, you know, you don't know on a nightly basis how these officials are going to call those moving screens. But it does, Phil. It goes both ways. Like I think about, Eight days ago against Atlanta, Sadiq Bay fouled on the last play of the game. Atlanta down one. If that foul is called, he absolutely was fouled. He could have gone to the free throw line, had a chance to either send the game to overtime or make both free throws under a second to play. Atlanta wins the game. Now, hey, Trey Young was awarded free throws that game where, you know, Devin Booker-esque, right? He's very good at baiting the officials into blowing the whistle, not necessarily fouls, right? But like, it's not going to change. So I saw your tweet, Phil. Yeah. Like, to me, the out. Wolves just need to figure it out. They need to play through it, right? I mean, whether they're in the play-in 
or the playoffs. Like they're not missing the play in. It's not going to hit rock bottom here. These last few games minimum, they will be in the play in. So they are going to play at least one, if not multiple meaningful basketball games the rest of the way. They need to figure this crap out. They just do. So let's parse through this though, because um, while personally what Gobert said to me is great, because like it's fodder and I never, you know, if a guy's going to come out and talk, hey, be my guest. Um, I actually don't know that that was smart, both from his personal standpoint and the teams. But Dukes, I think what Finch did was great because Finch basically saw what the Suns had done and complaining. And he, I would not call that, I would not call that completely frontal. He was basically just saying, "Where, where is, where are the calls for us?" Um, I'm not going to be surprised if, off of what Finch did, if the Wolves actually now get some calls. Because I thought that was a very, I thought what Finch did was a very smart way to go about complaining, which is to say, you know, where is the consistency? Why are they get, getting the, these calls? And you're right; it goes both ways. But I think when you do it like Finch did, you do set yourself up for potentially getting the calls the next time around. Gobert is going to be fined a ton. Like when when you start to say that stuff, it get, it goes off the rails. Um, but I like I like how Finch did it. And the other thing I'll say about Finch too is if you watch him work the officials on the sideline, he does complain, but it's not incessant. And so like he doesn't make it worse. He doesn't like cause, I, I don't think any official says, I can't stand Chris Finch. So what he did, I thought, post game was probably a smart move. And I'm not going to be surprised on Friday. I, In fact, I'm not surprised if he did that on purpose because he knows LeBron and the Lakers are coming to town. And at least that sends a warning shot of, hey, look, show us some consistency. So I like that part of it. Yeah, I mean, he's trying to prevent Anthony Davis tomorrow night from getting to the free throw line 14 or 16 times. Right. Yeah, I mean, it worked. You're right. It worked for Monty Williams after a son's loss against the Lakers a couple weeks ago. You say big fine, monster fine, huge fine, the Fred Van Vliet fine for personally calling out an official. I forget the guy's name, but yeah, he went like very frontal, direct shot at an official. He was not suspended for that, which surprised me. He was only fined, what was it, Phil? Was it $30,000, which is still a large amount. But but (laughs) I would have assumed it would have been larger than that. So, you know, I don't know if Rudy's looking at, you know, much beyond a $20,000 to $25,000 fine. Well, so what's worse, calling an official out for being incompetent by name? Well, but you know Or or insinuating that the group of unnamed officials are rigging the game. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you, but hey, like. There's been issues going back, right? Like I think about the Boston loss here a couple yeah. weeks ago. How much complaining took place post game? I'm just telling you, like officials, I'd be shocked. I mean, that could be great to track down a Kenny Mauer or somebody that can can offer some deeper insight. But trust me, these officials are well aware of the Wolves' reputation this season. So even with the loss last night, you know, the Wolves are sitting there and they're they're dealing with officiating adversity. They're not making any shots and they're just right there at the end of this game. It's a three or four point game with a minute to go and they're fighting. Half the team is either out or sick. Uh, you know, Anthony Edwards is sick and trying to get his leg healthy. And, and, and they're just they're just largely grinding through it. And they almost pull off that win last night. And and this just kind of feels, I think, a month or two ago, you could rightfully say the Timberwolves were one of the softest teams in terms of blowing leads and 
okay, we're going to let one bad game turn into five bad games, especially at the end of the 2022 calendar year when they're they're losing to the Pistons and having a players-only meeting. And I don't know if it's swapping D'Lo for Conley, because Conley is just a hundred times the leader behind the scenes that the D'Angelo, and on the court than D'Angelo Russell was. Um, and Kyle Anderson just emerging as a team leader. And Torian Prince has always kind of been there. Carl Anthony Towns feels like he's just a little bit of a, a different, more, in a good way, more reserved personality this time around since before the injury. It feels to me like they've hit on something here. It just took like five months to manifest. So I guess what are you seeing and, and also what are you hearing about the current state of the Timberwolves now that this thing is kind of gelling? Yeah, I mean, it absolutely is gelling. I'm actually encouraged after last night. 21 turnovers, okay. They missed 13 of 18 three-point attempts in the second half, but I liked a lot of those looks. Nas Reed missed a bunch of shots last night, but I think he makes a decent amount of those shots if we do it all over again. Now, Kevin Durant was not old KD, right? I mean, he's not going to shoot like that if you play Phoenix in the postseason. But, yeah, we're starting to see, Phil, when they are fully healthy. Now, Jalen Noel was down last night. I thought Jalen was... Good in Sacramento. I thought he was good in New York going back 10, 11 days. Right? So they missed Jalen Noel last night. That knee keeps bothering him. It's in and out. And so that's going to be troublesome the rest of the way, unfortunately. But it's not any sort of like long-term out for the season, like he's not going to play again. But it's just on a day-to-day basis. It's how he feels when he wakes up. And yesterday the knee was was bothersome. But, yeah, we're starting to see. I mean, hey, Phil, they are healthy as they've been since what? Early November? I mean, yeah. shortly thereafter, McLaughlin goes down, Prince goes down, then Cat goes down late November. But really, going back to the first, what, five to seven games of the season, when we knew, now that was the softest part of the schedule, but we knew there would be some roadblocks, you know, trying to figure this thing out. Now that they've had some time to get to know each other, yeah, that gelling is taking place. I mean, Phil, to me, the Western Conference is pretty darn wide open. Now, if you're the Wolves, find a way to get to six. After last night, that is tougher. But if you can get to six, now Sacramento's within two games of Memphis for the two seed, but I don't see Sacramento catching Memphis. If you look at the separation Sacramento to the four seed, like that four seed isn't jumping Sacramento. So like Sacramento to me is locked in as the three. And hey, I'm a firm believer, be careful what you wish for. But if you're the Wolves, heck, if you're any team in the Western Conference, you want that sixth seed. You Agreed. want to open up the playoffs in Sacramento. If you can get to that point, the Wolves can win that series. You think about the second round, Memphis against maybe, if you're the sixth, then maybe Golden State oh, is the seven. But I'm just He's saying, the if you He's can... Put- no. He's putting them in the conference finals. He's putting them in the conference finals. Now, hold on a second here. Hold on a second. I only have bobbleheads right now. Look at they're celebrating. It's Ant with the dog. It's it's Cat. He's happy. Look at Gobert. Even he's happy. Rudy. Myself. Rudy. I love it. I absolutely Dude, you love just it. Just put him in the conference finals. <laughs> oh my god! I never saw. I did not see that coming. As I get an email about the Wolves putting play-in tickets on sale, right? Yep. So they may not even get the six. Oh, yeah, he's stuck at seven. Right? Go. They may, Phil's they already may end up, Let's go play-in tickets. Yeah, they play end up as the eight seed or something like that. I'm just saying, Phil, if you can end up on that side of the bracket 
the side that isn't Denver, Phoenix, L.A. Clippers. Or, or yeah. Yes. That would be advantageous, right? Like, if yeah. you can find a way to be on the side with Sacramento, with Memphis, with maybe Golden State, whatever. And, hey, Golden State, if Andrew Wiggins comes back, I wouldn't necessarily sleep on the Warriors in the postseason. But I'm just saying, there's a favorable path if the Wolves can somehow capture that six seed. So, Finch had a comment um, that Declan played at the top of the show before he started to talk about the officiating that was um, off of Chris Hine question as well that I thought was very telling and goes to Phil's point about like this team and its construction now, Doogie. And it, it was something along the lines of uh, Finch answering the question said, we always play hard now or the effort is there now, which is very much like he's he has taken more than one shot at what this team was and what it's become. And he's doing it on purpose. And I love it. And he's exactly right. But you know what last night was? Because I, I had the two TVs going because it was such a great sports night. Um, last night, the Wolves again. And this is the hard thing to quantify, but you know it when you see it. Okay. That was a game where there were several instances, including because of the officiating, where they could have just sort of punted, said, screw it. Like, we're just, like the Wolves in November, I think, complain, bitch, moan, cat, delo, text. They get texts, and the game's just done. The, the as cliched as this might be to say, the effort level that you see now on second chance points, on rebounds, on, on their desire to actually remain in games, and I think that's Conley. I really do. I mean, the tempo, the tone of that locker room has changed, and Gobert didn't do, do it because we didn't see that with him. Um, I think Ant someday probably will, but he's still, what, 21 years old. I think that's Conley because you it's, now it's Con- and Anderson. It's both and Kyle Anderson. You're you're right. But what I'm saying is, I think with Conley, Kyle is probably I don't know if he's listened to more now, but there is just definitely a mentality of oh my god, these guys are going to keep scrapping and fighting. Which in November you never saw that well, idea. And real quick, and I'm, this is speculative. I, I don't have this like sourced in the in the locker room necessarily, but to the to the point about Conley, and then you kind of alluded to. Well, maybe Kyle Anderson wasn't being fully listened to. I think it's it's a lot more powerful when you have two veteran leaders that have combined yep. for with the Spurs, with the Grizzlies, the Jazz, right? They've combined for like 130 career playoff games. They've fought in the second, in the conference finals. Mm-hmm. And when those guys in tandem are telling you, hey, guys, this is what we need to do on a nightly basis, it's way more powerful than just one behind the scenes. I found it interesting in the last few days, forget if it was before a game, after a game, doesn't matter, and I'm paraphrasing slightly, but Chris Finch alluding to he no longer has to hide guys on defense. How about that subtle shot at D'Angelo Russell? But, yeah, I mean, you look Mm -hmm. at the numbers. Mike Conley Jr. on the court, off the court, five-man lineups, three-man lineups. I mean, I think Conley Jr. with Kyle Anderson with Rudy Gobert, that threesome has been really, really good. I think Cat brings out a different level. Of Mike Conley Jr. Yeah, I mean, Mike just needs to stay healthy, but Mike is a big-time difference maker. Just the hustle, the subtle plays. How about the fact that he's willing to rebound? Right? There's just there's so many things about Mike Conley Jr. that I love. I mean, he is just, yeah. he's an absolute great fit for this franchise. All right, let's get speculative here. It is a, that's enough, that's enough normal sports talk. Let's get speculative here with, with Doogie. So well, I'll give you uh, one more non-speculative note. Munichy, our good buddy from the Wolves, texted me a while ago. So the tarp is coming off 
tomorrow last... night. So for the last three home games, who is it? It's Sunday oh my God, Blazers, we're going full house. We're going full house. Yeah, then a week from Sunday against the Pelicans, they will go full house. <laughs> So yeah, can you oh imagine how much Target Center is going to be rocking tomorrow night instead of what sixteen five or seventeen? Oh my, they're 18. hoping for eighteen and a half or nineteen. Yeah, yeah, because it used to be yeah. ni- it used to be nineteen nineteen oh five, right? Yeah, oh six or yeah. 05, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, let's boy. go. Let's Sports pack it, baby. Yeah, so the tarp let's is coming it. off the upper no reaches more of the tarp. upper deck. No more tarp. The tarp is coming off for tomorrow night. So here's my speculative question for you, you Duke. So uh, earlier this week. Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie put the next installment down. They're now 40% owners. I saw one nugget that with A-Rod's cash that he has invested into the Timberwolves, it's the largest chunk of cash that he surpassed Michael Jordan for a former athlete putting lump sum of cash on the ownership of a team. Um, as this transition continues, what does it look like behind the scenes? What can we expect in terms of changes and differences? They've already been allowed, even as minority owners, to be super hands-on. The Tim Connolly hire, right? Uh, some of the other sort of behind-the-scenes hires. But as this thing continues to progress and it becomes less Glenn Taylor's team officially and more Mark Laurie, Alex Rodriguez, uh, what can we expect? Well, I mean, just what we've been seeing, right? I mean, it's not just you know Tim Connolly being here because in large part of Mark Laurie. Like if Mark and Alex weren't a part of the Wolves franchise, Tim Connolly isn't here. Marquise Watts, VP of Player Engagement, I forget his official title, but former Clutch Sports executive, he is now in the Wolves front office. He isn't here without Mark and Alex. Chris Finch signs a lengthy contract extension one year ago. Well, technically 11 months ago, last April. Mm Mm-hmm. That Chris Finch extension doesn't get done without Lori, without Rodriguez. More so Lori on a lot of this stuff. Not that Alex isn't involved, but my sense is Mark is a little bit more involved. But we'll continue to see changes along those lines. And eventually, Phil, the push for a new arena. Do not sleep on that. It's not maybe going to happen immediately, but it is going to happen eventually that they will push for a new arena how does that situation play itself out? Yeah. Playoff run helps that. Western Conference Finals really help that. Boy, do you gain leverage when you say, we got a pretty good basketball yeah. team. Well, hell, I mean, even, you know, I know that the vibe generally this season among fans, rightfully so, has been they haven't lived up to, and, and the most games they can win now, even if they run the table, is like, what, 44 wins? Yeah, so which is what, five under the 50. Vegas number? Yeah. Yeah, so there, so it's been a, it's been a disappointment so far, but... Let's keep in mind, this franchise hasn't been to the playoffs in back-to-back seasons in almost two decades. This franchise has not finished, I think they finished above 500 like seven times in franchise history. Uh, the first two years of the KG teams, they did not finish above 500. So there's some there's some boxes they can check to keep the excitement and the momentum from a franchise standpoint going forward, even though they've maybe missed out on the 50-win the benchmark. And so do they do they try to parlay, hey, back to back playoff appearances, things are going well in the they're third year. The tarp year. off. The tarp's you know, coming taking, off. They're taking the tarp, <laughs> the tarp's off, off. Right. <laughs> Another long term question that needs to be answered. Will those guys be willing to go into the luxury tax? You even think about this summer. Like I can't come up with a logical Nas Reed, solution. Nas Reed's gonna make it tough not to where you re sign Nas, but also keep Torian Prince, who has a non guaranteed deal. For next year, it goes back to, I just, I have no idea why Torian Prince bypassed free agency last summer 
signed a two-year deal with the second year non-guaranteed. But he did. I just I don't understand it. Makes no sense to me. But Be- because like, I don't see a here. scenario where you're keeping Prince and Nas <laughs> next year. And at this point, you need to keep Nas Reed. Like we've seen that, right? Like there's no debating that. You give Nas the ten to twelve million dollars a year that he has so richly earned. You give him that contract. And if you need to part ways with Torian Prince, you do that. But I'm just saying, you think about Jada McDaniels, his next contract. We know Anthony Edwards will be on a max deal. But you start doing the math over the next few years. They will need to go into the luxury tax. Will they be willing to go into the luxury tax? I mean, dudes, would you would you consider moving off Torian Prince and giving... I mean, the Wolves have two or three guys right now in Iowa. I mean, Luka Garza is going to... It's going to be hard. If you're going to keep Nas, Luka Garza is going to be... Still searching for playing time, but Josh Minot has been a revelation for the Iowa Wolves. And in the limited time you've seen him in the big leagues, too, he looked in terms of just replacing an off ball, three and D energy type player, Josh Minot could eventually be a better version of Torian Prince if they let this thing play out. 100%. So, I mean, that to me is the pathway to keeping Naj. You part ways with Torian. Josh elevates up. I think more junior still has a role as a rotational type guy. There is interest in, I was told in bringing back Luca Garza, regardless of how all this plays out in bringing back Luca Garza next year, but they are not going to convert at least as of a day or two ago, there was no steam on them converting Luca into a standard deal. So he would be eligible for the playoffs. Like we could have the healthy debate of, would you rather have Luca Garza or Nathan Knight available for the postseason. But right now, the Wolves are choosing Knight, not mm. Garza. But there is interest in re-signing Garza this summer. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Um, yeah, go ahead, Judd. Go. Uh, what What did you take away from what Kevin O'Connell said at the owners' meetings on Wednesday, Dukes? Because we continue to go down uh, the quarterback path, him being asked about quarterbacks. And let's just put it this way. I would say that Kevin O'Connell is uh, uh, making it very, very clear right now that he wants to keep his options open and that he is giving no assurances, which is sort of what we talked about on Tuesday. But I guess with every Kevin O'Connell press conference, it gets hammered home more and more and more and becomes more intriguing about the direction of things. Yeah, I mean, Phil, Judd and I went back and forth on Tuesday on this. Like if the Vikings, if this regime wanted to sign Kirk Cousins to an extension through the 25 or 26 season, it would be done. That Kirk wasn't looking to break bank he's not like he's not looking for that daniel jones 40 million dollars a year type money now he's not willing to take some sort of significant discount but he's not looking for a significant raise but clearly the vikings are not interested in that scenario judd i guess reading between the lines of kevin his lengthy answer about how great it is to have a quarterback on the rookie scale contract right Mm -hmm. just points to okay more so i mean i think we've thought that they're going to bring in a young quarterback here, whether it's this year or next year, but maybe it's more so this year, just the way he was, he was talking. I mean, he went on and on and on about 
you know, just the way you can build your team based on having a quarterback on that rookie scale deal. Do they look for a quarterback as soon as this year? I was more convinced it would come in 24, but I'm starting to wonder if it's more likely here in 23. You know, it's it's interesting, uh, and we we tend to trust our guy Thor Nystrom. With, it, Thor literally just like s- showers once a week and watches film 22 hours a day in his in his basement this, this time oh, of I year. I thought he had like a TV set up in the shower, so at least could shower on <laughs> a daily basis. We don't know he does. Yeah, he might. He probably does. And, uh, and, he, and he's saying with both Will Levis, who's likely to be the fourth quarterback that could fall, and Hendon Hooker, who's now, you got Daniel Jeremiah saying that the, the Vikings could take a shot at him in the first round, that those guys are unplayable in the first year and that Will Levis has some major sort of uh, timing in the pocket red flags that might be hard to iron out. Uh, so he's saying, I don't know, those guys just aren't, aren't guys that you would trade up for, but if they fell into your laps, maybe. I don't know, like those type of quarterbacks, I don't know. If you're going to make a move, make a move. Go get go get an actual guy that doesn't have a bunch of red flags, I guess, is what I would say, either in 2023 or 2024 especially if you need to leverage a future first round pick to trade up, you know, which is probably what's going to have to, if you really want more of a surefire guy, you're probably not going to, he's it's, I get that Lamar Jackson fell and Aaron Rodgers fell and it happens, but it's, those are the anomalies, I guess, Doogie. Well, yes, but don't all these guys have red flags? Like the Vikings have done all sorts of homework on Dorian Thompson Robinson, the UCLA quarterback. We haven't really talked much about, but what about him? Like, what's the difference between him and Hendon Hooker? Right? I mean, a lot of these guys have red flags. So, I mean, just based on where they're at, how would you not end up with a guy that has at least one red flag? Yeah. Well, and that's the, a fair point question. Too, the point, too, is this. If you take a guy with a red flag, but you think that you can fix them, and you have Kirk Cousins in 2023, uh, to, to go back to our conversation on Tuesday with Thor Dukes, I think one of the most over rated storylines has become is the veteran quarterback going to help the kid he's not what's going to happen to the kid this is all coaching so like if Kirk Cousins ignores Hendon Hooker you think it's like oh my god he ignored me my career is done no as long as Kevin O'Connell and the coaching staff help Hooker and so that's that's why like to your point I'm becoming a little bit more intrigued by the fact that I wonder if they're eyeing a quarterback to try and develop behind Kirk this season and then 2024 he plays like that's you know instead of this whole thing about well kids got to step in and play what if it's the reverse what if it's a year and yeah you burn a year of the contract but what if it's a year of we're going to work with hooker uh cousins is going to play and he's going to be fine and he and he might not help but who cares but then 2024 we're going to give that kid the chance yeah i mean absolutely within the realm of possibilities and you're right i mean they have a million coaches over there, so yeah. it starts with Kevin. But, yeah, whether Kirk is hands-on with whoever it is, Hooker, Levis, Thompson Robinson, some other quarterback, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily obsess about that, right? I mean, they have enough guys over there that can help a young quarterback. So I'm starting to think more and more that that young quarterback is coming sooner rather than later. But, like, you know, Anthony Richardson has his pro day today, right? At Florida and Gainesville, the Vikings will have Big some one. sort of representation there. Phil, like, there are red flags with him. And the buzz ever since the combine is he's not getting out of the top five, mm-hmm. right? So if he goes third or he goes fourth to Indianapolis, there are red flags right there. Heck, Bryce Young, who I love, right? There are red flags. So 
I just don't know how you avoid those. I really don't. No, that's fair. Uh, but hey, before we get to some rapid fire scoops here, a shout out Reckless. to uh, opening day here. Opening day at Target Field, by the way, is next th- uh, what Thursday? It's April sixth. Yep. One Thursday, week April from 6th. today, opening mm-hmm. round yeah. of the Masters. You've got the Twins home opener. You've got the Gophers against Boston University. And you can get your tickets to that opener at Target Field. 310 first pitch gates open at 110 on April 6th at twins.com slash tickets. Your first chance to see the new uniforms in person, to see uh, Joey Gallo in person, and to see Carlos Correa, who never, never had a doubt about returning to the Twins, uh, back in a Twins uniform. Twins.com slash tickets. Twins.com slash tickets. Also, for all you Ragnars out there, you know, it may not be riding season yet here. Uh, we're waiting, by the way. I don't know what this, this weather situation is. Uh, it's kind of putting a dent in things. But at some point, it will be riding season. Make sure your motorcycle is ready with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harleys, Indians, metric cruisers, sport bikes, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com so you can ride more weight less. Over 180,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets as well. Shipping is free for orders over $89. If you order by 8 they ship the same day. That's 8 p.m. Everything you need for your ride at DennisKirk.com. All right, Dukes. Reckless speculation. Empty the bag. What else you got for Yeah, on that weather front, by the way. So I was downstairs on the TV side. Jonathan Juhas, one of our meteorologists, now suggesting 6 to 10 inches. Ooh. Now, depending on where you are here in the Twin Cities, the Twin Cities metropolitan area, but 6 to 10 inches by, I don't know if it's Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, mm. but it's like, come on, Uncle Mercy. I have a no shovel in <laughs> April rule. And so yep. at April 1st being on Saturday, I'm not shoveling. Yep. Like, seriously, that, like, if the wife says you have to shovel, like, divorce. Like, instantly. <laughs> I'm leaving the house. I'm not wow, shoveling. Honey. I refuse to <laughs> shovel in the month of April. All right. I'll empty out the bag. I was texting with somebody close to Alex Kirilov. He officially went on the injured list today. I'm told he's progressing. He's feeling good. The more work he's putting in down in Fort Myers, that there is hope that he's not going to be down there for the next, you know, four to six weeks something like that, that he can rejoin the Twins lineup sooner rather than later. Also told somewhat encouraging news based on how Jorge Polanco performed yesterday in front of trainers, but I'm telling you, like, Phil, I made the point with Judd on Tuesday, like, that knee was bothersome in August. So we go back now seven months. Surgery wasn't an option then, told surgery is not an option now, but the fact that there was progress a couple weeks ago, they thought two and a half weeks ago he would be in the lineup today well he's not and so with that tendonitis like that's just that's got speaking of red flags i mean that's that's a red flag for this entire year and i feel bad for jorge because he has a vesting option on his contract if he reaches 550 plate appearances this year it kicks in a 10 and a half million dollar contract for next year and i don't think he would get that on the open market so like if you're jorge you want 550 plate appearances this year to have that option vest so just a very, very unfortunate situation. Gophers men's basketball adds a guard yesterday. Mike Mitchell Jr. from Pepperdine. My understanding is pretty good player. Doesn't get to the free throw line, but 44% from three-point range last year. Pretty good player in the West Coast Conference. So if you're playing high-mid-major, to me that's the West Coast Conference, you're ready to contribute high-major. So you know he'll slot in. He'll play many minutes next season. Talon Cooper off to South Carolina. Jamison Battle. Had an in-home visit this week with Mike Woodson and Indiana. Phil, could you imagine the optics on that if the Gophers lose Jamison Battle, who, Dude. you know, a month ago the Gophers thought, you know what, he's ready to pursue his pro career. He's ready to go make some money, whether that's G League 
or overseas, but there's so well, much NIL, NIL money to be made that he may end up playing another year in college with that extra year Dude, of eligibility. But could here? you imagine the optics on that if you lose Jamison Battle, Twin Dude. Cities kid? He came home from George Washington. So, so they've already lost him, right? to a Big right? Ten school. Yeah, he's not and coming the, back next year. He won't be back with the I mean, Gophers. The, the, the optics are already bad that you lost him, but then if you lose him to a Big Ten That's school, it's even worse. Well, right? as of right now, the only in-home visit he has had is with Indiana. Now, that Close doesn't mean circuit. that it was an unbelievably splendid meeting. Maybe the meeting went south. I'll have to double-check on that today. But you know, my understanding is when you grant the home meeting, there's already a good amount of interest. Now, there's a bunch Dude, of schools close, in the mix on him. But close, man. close circuit to Mark Coyle and company. The game has changed. It changed several years ago. Figure it out. This is not, you know, a ho a ho dunk podunk town. You know, this is this is a top fifteen metro area. There are resources. There are people with money. There are companies with money. Figure it. This is the most important thing for an athletic director and a school if you care about athletics to figure out right now. And it feels like they're multiple years behind the times. They are, although progress is being made. So yeah, a guy I actually went to college with, Jeremiah Carter, former yeah. football player, he is now transitioning. He's been in the athletic department for a while. He is now transitioning to essentially a full-time NIL role. Now, this to me should have happened a long time ago, but at least they are now, the optics are, they are trying much more now compared to even six months ago. They are behind. Trust me. Times-wise, financially, all that. They are behind many other Power 5 schools, but they are trying at least right now. Mm. So is he going to raise money? Like, what are they going to do? Do we know what they're going to have this guy do? What as far would you as say yeah. you do here? Yeah, because, you know, they're always about, well, he also is in compliance. I don't want him in compliance. I want him <laughs> finding shortcuts. <laughs> yeah, I well, want shortcuts. Yeah, well, here you go. So his title <laughs> is Senior Associate AD for NIL slash Policy and Risk Management. In this newly created role, Carter will be responsible for identifying and managing issues related to emerging structural changes within collegiate athletics. Initially, these responsibilities will include managing the university's name, image, and likeness activities, adherence to university policies, and governance. So essentially, he's going to be in charge of all NIL opportunities for Gophers athletes. Awesome, man. But yeah, he does have a compliance background. Make no mistake about that. So, you know, I don't think he's going to be one that's going to bend you know, any way that's that's super favorable. I want cars for athletes. everybody. So I understand. I it. want cars dude, did for I everybody. See, did I see there was some dude I, I just saw briefly on social media? From Miami? That, was it there's some kid was driving like a two hundred thousand oh, yeah. dollar car. Oh yeah. <laughs> well Eric Eric Dickerson was in the eighties, but that was that that was below the table at the time. Well, I mean hilarious. Miami, like before before NIL and Eric Dickerson's just driving around in a Ferrari. It helps that the Hurricanes, that's a private school, but you've got this big-time businessman down in Miami. He helped fund the women's program, the men's program, right? The women's program made it all the way. Heck, are they still alive? Or did they get eliminated in the Elite Eight? But the women's program went really far. The men are alive this weekend in the Final Four to keep Isaiah Wong. He got a big-money deal. They brought in this point guard from Kansas State, Nigel Pack, for big money. Now, it was reported at $400,000 a year. I don't know if it's truly that much, but he's getting paid all sorts of money on an NIL deal. Miami has the resources. That is a big reason why Miami is as good as they are because of their NIL 
background, opportunity, all the people that are helping fund these athletes. So, yeah, I mean, cheap that's golfers. where the golfers need all sorts of help. You they know do. what? It's not cheap pole ads. It's cheap golfers now. Cheap coil. <laughs> cheap regions. Yeah. yeah. Go get those free agents. Amazing. All right, We got to find some people. Yeah, I mean, you know, you convince T. Denny Sanford, right? I mean, at one point he was willing to contribute some money, right? There's got to be somebody out there. Unfortunately, some of the... Some of the big money guys, you know, the Dick Ameses of the world have, have sadly passed away. But there have to be some people out there, right? Yeah. I mean, Harvey McKay, come on. You know, although, you know, we might need even more money. Jameson Battle here Glenn. for my pillow. Jameson Battle <laughs> here for my pillow and mypillow.com. Maybe I need to blow up right. Glenn's phone, convince Glenn, hey, <laughs> come on, you've given enough money to Minnesota State Mankato. Time to contribute to the big school here in Minnesota. Do the math, Glenn. Look how much money you have left, and look how old you are. Can we help some some college kids thrive here? Yes. At By the way, on the University of Minnesota, Mark Laurie, the aforementioned Mark Laurie, talking tomorrow, Carlson School of Management. It's a free speech, so if you're free over the lunch hour tomorrow, Friday the 31st, shoes Mark on, Laurie. Shoes on? Shoes yeah, off. I don't know. That's a good question, Declan. Maybe shoes on, but if he's brilliant. Yeah, but if he's brilliant, shoes yeah. off at the very end. Instead of a standing off. ovation. As long as shoes off. smell. Nothing worse yeah. than those big dogs when you take your shoes off. And smell. <laughs> but anyway, if you're curious about Mark Laurie's background, his story, you can sign up for a free ticket on, on the Carlson School of Management website. All right, Dukes. There it is. Reckless Speculation Thursday. Reckless Darren Doogie Wolfson from the 5 Eyewitness News. And Sports one team. more to carry on the tradition. Nash Jensen, an offensive lineman from Osseo High School, North Dakota State. Add him to the list of pre-draft visitors with the Vikings. Second week of April. All right, I see. Oh, mm-hmm. all right, dudes. Okay, Stuff see you, boys. Bye, bye. Woof. All right, there's a scoop session for you. All right, good stuff there, Mackie oh. and Judd here. Uh, we'll talk some some more wild too wow. uh, in another chunk of Mackie and Judd. And uh, I have a fun little random Viking of the week for you guys over on Purple Daily today.